0: As I begin, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to engage with your word right now. Father, I pray that wherever people are hearing this, and with whatever situations they may be in, that you would use your word to meet them exactly where they are. That you would encourage them, enable them, empower them to live with you and for you. I pray that you might help me to communicate your word this morning in a way that it connects. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As it's Pentecost Sunday, uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 2. So it's my privilege uh, to look at Acts chapter 2 with you this morning. And this chapter essentially announces the arrival of the main character of the book of Acts. I mean, you could argue that the main character is the church, but I would argue that the main character is the Holy Spirit that Acts as a book will be about how mission is happening through the church as they are empowered by the Spirit of God. And you can read the book of Acts and kind of pay attention for the role of the Holy Spirit throughout that book. But let me start with something that makes me feel a bit twisted up. For many churches, it has been said that if the Holy Spirit left, no one would notice. Isn't that sad? If the Holy Spirit left, no one would notice. And the see, this as well, I think, is probably true in the lives of many Christians as well. And there's good reasons for some of this, although it's not good, but where Christians and churches sometimes have focused on God the Father and God the Son to the neglect of the Holy Spirit. And that's unfortunate. That's not the way it's supposed to be. See, Christians change the world when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. One of the clear ways that I saw this in my early Christian life was as I was trying to share my faith with my mother. There was several times that we had good conversations, and then there was a while where it was clear that just nothing was happening. If I tried to mention anything, it got shut down quickly. And so in that season, I was off at university, uh, it was a Friday night. I was going to be heading back to the area I was from. It's an hour, like an hour drive. And um, before leaving, a, a Bible passage came to mind. And the Bible passage was John 15. Um, it's the, the passage, the vine and the branches. And in that passage, there's a th- place where Jesus says, in verse 5, apart from me you can do nothing. And I was struck that evening with the idea that In relying on my own strength, that essentially was useless. But if I let God work through me, that could be powerful. And again, it was a Friday. Um, I was just going to be stopping by my mother's house. I wasn't going to be there for long. But I went in a sense of knowing that I needed not to depend on my own strength, but to let God's Spirit work through me. And that evening, we had this amazing conversation. And it was clear I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit with us there at that time. It was incredibly exciting. And even then that Sunday, when I got back to my university, I had an answering machine message. Remember those? Um, and, And I listened to it, and it was my mother. And what had happened is that Sunday morning, she had attended church at the church where I had become a Christian. Now, in my living memory, I hadn't known of a time where she had chosen to go to church. And so this was... Clearly, a start of God at work. And what I was really impressed by was the fact that, that this was a work that was being done by God. I really felt like it was a, a move of the Spirit of God in my mother's life. You see, we are meant to make a difference in this world as we rely on the Holy Spirit. Thinking that you can live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is a lie that we should not believe. So here's what I want to do with you right now. I want to take us into Acts chapter 2 to encourage us but also challenge us with some of the walls or misunderstandings we might have toward the Holy Spirit working in our lives. At the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we read this. It says in verse 1, "When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place." Now giving you a little bit of background right here, if we go back to Acts chapter 1, you'll find that Jesus told them to wait. And this is what we find them doing here in Acts chapter 2. And it's great to see their attitude. They weren't told how long to wait. Maybe they had an inkling that Pentecost, which at this point was just a, a Jewish festival, maybe they had an inkling that that would be significant, but they couldn't know that for sure. And it says, it's interesting to notice how long they waited. See, Jesus appeared in resurrected form for 40 days, there was, there's 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. Jesus rose the day after Passover. And so they've been waiting and praying for nine days. During this time of waiting, they're essentially putting themselves, themselves in a place where they are ready to receive from God because Jesus told them to. And this positioning, this putting ourselves in a place where we are ready to receive is incredibly important. Uh, James K.A. Smith has a book in which he writes about this sort of attitude toward the Spirit of God, and he likens it to what it's like to fall asleep. Let me explain in his words. He says this, I cannot choose to fall asleep the best I can do is choose to put myself in a posture and rhythm that welcomes sleep. I lie down in bed on my left side with my knees drawn up. Okay, James, that's enough details. I close my eyes and breathe breathe slowly, putting my plans out of my mind, but the power of my will or consciousness stops there. I want to go to sleep and I've chosen to climb into bed, but in another sense, sleep is not something under my control or at my beck and call. There's a moment when sleep comes and I succeed in becoming what I'm trying to be. Sleep is a gift to be received, not a decision to be made. And yet it, does, it requires a posture of reception. Now see, this connects with something that I think is important. I, in my experience... I don't believe that the Holy Spirit will do something that you're not ready for, or that you don't want. Let me say it again. I don't think the Holy Spirit, in my experience, I don't think the Holy Spirit will work in a way that you don't want. And so I want to encourage you to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and through you. While well, in the beginning here of Acts 2, we see that they're waiting and worshiping together in one place. And then there's this amazing experience that happens in verses two through four. And we see there that there's this sound like that of a rushing wind that fills the house. It says they see what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. Now notice these words like like and seem to be, they're trying to describe an experience that was kind of that was amazing for them and this is some pretty exciting stuff right here now bear in mind I know that some people get nervous when we talk about experience in regard to things spiritual and on one hand what happened here was special for the early church so I wouldn't expect it to happen to us but on the other hand I want it to encourage us with what is possible God can work in extraordinary ways and sometimes he will Now, um, just to put you at ease here, let me say first, let me say as well, connected to this, that the Holy Spirit will not make you weird. Some people have seen weird Christians and they don't want any part of that. The Holy Spirit will not make you weird. However, if the Holy Spirit wants to make you weird, I suggest you go with it. And then we get to verse 5. And there's this interesting thing that happens here in verse 5. Somehow, we're not told, somehow they go from being inside this house to being outside. And we're not given the details of that shift. I don't know how they got outside. It seems to happen seamlessly. The Holy Spirit here clearly pushes them outward, even though that means many of them will experience great personal expense and eventually die for their faith. And it's, again, an amazing thing that happens here. And it connects with something back in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, with the Tower of Babel, humanity was scattered by having different languages. Here there's a foretaste of heaven as the Spirit of God works in such a way that people with different languages hear the disciples in their native languages. This must have been amazing. And there are 15 different places mentioned just in this passage. I won't read them. In fact, for the people that did the scripture reading, I'm sure it was somewhat humorous. So there's 15 different places just mentioned here. There may be more. I love that someone kind of counted these up. Fantastic. And so it's not just here that the disciples were made bold. That's how it's often described, and it's true. But they were propelled outward by this experience. The church at this point could be compared to a person before this who has flatlined, but they're being brought back to life. And this is even bigger than that. It's, the church is brought back to life and like 10 feet tall. And then Peter steps up. In the middle of the situation, preaches and 3,000 people become Christians. Now think about something for the disciples here. They have gone from a place of self-preservation to self-sacrifice. From a place of timidity to a place of boldness. They've gone from at the end of the book of Acts to being in rooms that are with the doors locked, now to being out among thousands of people preaching. And this is staggering in that their leader, Jesus, has just been killed. Many involved in Jesus' crucifixion are still around, and they are certainly persecuting Jesus' followers. To speak out like this puts the disciples in danger. And yet... The Spirit of God clearly moves them in this direction. And there are some things that we see here as well, that some that are exciting. First of all, obviously 3,000 people becoming Christians, but at the same time, there are still people that don't get it. Even in the middle of what they're seeing, it even says that there are people there claiming that the disciples are drunk, and Peter starts his sermon saying, they're not drunk, it's only 9 in the morning notice that immediately there are two people, two different groups of people present here. People that see what God is doing and are responding to it, and people that don't. They will still be persecuted. When the Spirit of God works through you, it will be exciting, but you will still be rejected. Well, notice the kind of scope of our passage. It started with worshiping and waiting We need a deep connection with the Holy Spirit, like what we see that they had. But then as well, that moved to witnessing, where the Holy Spirit propels us into this world with boldness and abandon, knowing that the Spirit of God will give us what we need when we need it. I want to close with an illustration from Steve. It was from some years ago, well, Steve and Gene. Jean. Uh, Jean Gene was helping there in the kitchen over at Stack, and they couldn't figure out how to get the oven working. It's a big, massive thing. And it was a gas oven, and they, it just would not work. Finally, Steve came along to help, and they figured out the problem was there's a power switch on the wall that you need to switch. Massive, great switch, but of course, Gene uh, didn't expect it because when have you ever needed a power switch for a gas oven? Which, it's for good reason, but that's okay. And so there became a little inside joke between them. Essentially, the tagline was, the power's not turned on. That at times when, that if we really want to see God move, it's not something that happens through our own strength. It's as the Spirit of God works in us and through us. And so one one or the other would look at the other one whenever there was a difficult situation. And the phrase they could just say is, the power's not turned on so that they were reminded to depend on the Spirit of God and see the Spirit work and move and empower us. Let's pray. Father, I ask, first of all, that you would give us an openness to your Spirit to work in us in whatever way that you want to. Father, I pray for ways that we've been discouraged, things that have perhaps put us off, pray that you would give us the wisdom we need to discern what is of you and what is not. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't be a people that neglect your spirit, but instead that we would be a people that are empowered by your spirit to do your work in this world. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.